You know what we've got? Uh, we talked uh, last week. We talked at some length about this this uh, course that I started teaching, this Building Your Brand Online course uh, that I started teaching out in New York. And we started talking. I, I don't remember, Dane, what you, you started perseverating on um, uh, that, that got us completely off target. I'm sure we had something far more interesting to talk about. And and, and you no, got excited about something. And no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, no. What we were talking about, we we started this conversation, um, and I was just sort of curious about the sort of short, the short phrase that we use to introduce ourselves, you know, professionally or or to define ourselves. Right. Or I called it an elevator pitch. Um, you know, maybe it's a brand statement about you, or you know, um, well, about you. Whether you means you and your business, as as is the case with Pete and I or you means you as an employee of another company or, you know, that, yeah, that yeah, was kind of yeah. my thinking. And we, yeah, we really got into a, an in-depth conversation about um, building your brand. And Pete had just um, taught some classes um, at, uh, is it Chappaqua? Chappaquiddick. <laughs> I mean, I'll never get it right. But anyway, so it was a great conversation. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. We, we just sort of thought, wow, there is a whole lot to discuss here. Well, there um, is. It's this whole suite of of tools and sort of it, 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 it goes into this conversation about digital identity and what are the tools that we need to care about and how do we split up our personality. And as it happened, the whole time I was talking last week, I was I was completely shilling. Uh, uh, this gentleman's work, Jason O'Donnell. Jason is <laughs> with us today. <laughs> I I like to leverage um, other people's brilliance as my own whenever possible, and uh, in in this case, uh, m- much of it was Jason's. Jason, thank you so much for uh, for sitting down with us. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm honored to uh, to be here and chat with you. It sounds like a a great conversation to have. It it really is kind of at the forefront of everything going on in the social spaces today, especially when it comes down to social business uh, as as we're pushing forward and and building the brand, figuring out brand identity for yourself or your business or a combination of of all of that. Uh, It's it is quite an interesting conversation to have. Well, I think it's a fascinating conversation to have, and 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 I think you in particular may be a good, uh, a, 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 a particularly well positioned to kind of anchor this conversation, just given your role. And I I know you, uh, we we need to put the disclaimer uh, because it won't take very long for people to search around for Jason O'Donnell and and find out that you work at IBM. Though anything you say here is not the opinion of IBM. Is that the, is that how we're going to phrase it? That is absolutely correct. Um, being an IBMer, I, I abide by our social computing guidelines, which, uh, which do ask that, that I say, hey, anything I say is my opinion and my opinion alone. It's not necessarily that of my employer. Um, it, it's actually one of those things that, uh, that really kind of makes the, the social computing guidelines for IBM uh, one of those stellar documents that uh, so many other companies have have adopted and and go by. It really gives us a lot of the uh, the the leverage and flexibility to be ourselves out online in the social spaces, and and really not only build up the IBM brand, but build up our, our own brands as we're doing it. Uh, provides value across the board. Well, it's uh, it, it, as you say. It, you know, I, I think when I when we first met, uh, I I actually was somehow compelled to tell the truth uh, that I actually was one of those people at another big company who completely pilfered the IBM social computing guidelines because they're really that good. And if you if you do a quick Google search, they're still, uh, you know, they still stand as as a, a great sort of policy, a, a human capital policy for for allowing the organization to exist in the online space it's it's uh, terrific uh, and i'd say not only exist but but far exceed and succeed uh, beyond our wildest dreams sure. it, it really is like you said uh, one of those documents that that you can pilfer and and utilize uh, well beyond the scope of of just what it is mm-hmm. well so where do we where did we leave off last week dane do you have any memory of it or do we need to actually go listen to the show no um i <laughs> I, mean, we, I, I, I no <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying no to i l- let me try and, and and recall because yeah we sort of launched from um how pete has this great you know defined sort of you know self-branding statement that i think um gives him all this flexibility and it and it was a really you know kind of a, a reminder an eye-opener that that you know sometimes these the ability to sort of encapsulate um, a quick definition like that can be kind of a great 
I don't know, great, not just a great, you know, promotion tool, but a great um, sort of self-motivating uh, um, tool. And then we went into, like you said, Pete, you know, well, okay, we've got to look at all of the ways that now we can sort of share our, our work or our opinions or, or our life online um, based on, you know, intent and purpose and what makes sense. And we talked a lot about, you, you know, what kinds of, of skills might need to be developed, you know, what are the, you know, versus outsourcing. And I think we kind of fell on, you know, let's try not to outsource anything, but some are more visual, some are more, you know, verbal, but uh, we talked quite a bit about the need to be able to be expressive online, um, even if that's not sort of your, your your born talent. So, you know, we were all over a little bit, but that's sort of where we were heading with it. And and uh, and just sort of, you know, how how can how this really doesn't apply to just a few people, but to everybody. And and I think another thing that that we brought up, and I don't want to just sort of jump all over this, but um, I mean, all over the place with it. But we talked about the the evolution of going from dual online identities to really trying to exist online in a way that, you know, you aren't personal over here and, and professional over here, but you, you know, you try and uh, be a little less schizophrenic about that. Um, partly just for, for your own organization, but also because I think it helps drive some of this thinking about how, uh, you know, how we sort of streamline our, our focus about, what it is we're trying to represent and and present. Well, I think that gets exactly to uh, that's a great jumping off place for for this this first question for for you, Jason. Which is, um, you know, would you uh, kind of recap some of your thinking and some of the the commentary that you collected online and in, in uh, uh, you know as part of the discussion that you really led uh, over on Google Plus on on this idea of digital identities and uh, because I think you know your insights are are really valuable uh, in this area. Oh, thank you, Pete. And and we did have a great conversation over on on Google Plus regarding uh, what it was a uh, online digital persona management. Uh, I was actually sitting in in a web session a while back uh, internally to IBM, where uh, they were discussing the the concept of managing your digital personas online, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the guidance there uh, wasn't stuff that I, I necessarily uh, agreed with from a holistic perspective. A lot of it, uh, from my point of view, really comes into uh, the idea that uh, you combine your digital personas nowadays, that that's really where the value is going to be. Managing and maintaining those separate identities is no longer relevant in today's world. Well, what is that? I'm going to stop you. What is that? You, you use the word value in this context. What does that mean to you? <laughs> oh, value is the holy grail of all social business, all all social efforts online. When you come down to it, um, it, it it's whatever you're getting out of it, whether it's sales leads, uh, just being seen as a digital thought leader, uh, whatever value you're able to to glean out of uh, your presence online. Uh, it, it really comes down to to what you get out of it. Uh, your value is kind of defined by yourself. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, when I hear you talk about this, what, what comes to me is, is this idea of trust, uh, that, that, you know, as, as a result of bringing together or sort of merging these digital identities, what you're seeing here is, is the ability for other people online to trust you because of that sort of authenticity. Is that a fair assessment from what you... That is absolutely a fair assessment, yes. Uh, authenticity is is essential in any online engagement, uh, whether you're, you're just speaking with your friends or if you're actually trying to engage uh, in social business specifically. Uh, if you're not authentic, if you're not open and transparent, uh, your audience sees through that. It, it's the first first thing that everyone's going to look at and, and get that sense that you're hiding something or you're not being fully authentic to yourself. Uh, you have some agenda, if you will. And, and can I jump in quickly on that? Because so what you guys are saying sounds, you know, you know, perfectly logical and, you know, you know, makes a great deal of sense. And I think creates this whole foundation that that for me, I think, well, OK, if I if I'm constantly using that as sort of my springboard um, and my anchor point, then I'm going to do great. But 
I wonder how often you think um, individuals and businesses um, go past that or or maybe ignore that, you know, that point of trust and think almost exclusively about volume or connectedness or, you know, influence, uh, you know, who, who they're connected with and, and the power and authority of that, like a clout score or something. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. What is the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason? No, please Pete. You well, no, I, you know, I, I, I was, I have long been sort of skeptical of, of clout and what it represents just watching my own score. Uh, and, and then, you know, to catch your anniversary post, uh, regarding clout, uh, I think really, um, really hit the, the point home. So I wonder if you could, if you could share what, you know, what clout is, uh, as a service just briefly, and then talk a little bit about your, your little, uh, thought experiment on, on how cloud has worked for you, because I think it gets to this, this, this batch of measuring authenticity and, and, you know, is there a way to do that? Absolutely. So, uh, a little background. I, uh, as a social business program manager, have been really interested in clout as a, a service that purports to measure your influence online. Uh, it provides you with a, a single score to, to track your purported influence that's based on uh, three aspects of your, your online presence, your true reach, your amplification, and your network impact. Each of those three items is measured somehow by clout. Uh, they're not entirely open and clear about it, although uh, when it's your intellectual property and, and your business model, of course, uh, how you measure that stuff is obviously going to be proprietary. Um, in in my own experimentation, uh, I, I've been very interested to watch it over the, the past few years as they've they've grown, and more and more people have started looking to them as the the best in best in brand kind of service for influence measurement, and like you, Pete, I've I've experimented with my own score and and results to see what I can do to to improve my own score and how those activities really uh, impact uh, my actual influence. Uh, last Friday, uh, my wife and I celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. Congratulations! Oh, thank you very much. Uh, and I posted just a, a simple picture of my wife and I uh, back in the day, uh, around 1993, and uh, put a little text around it, noting that it, it was our anniversary today, and kind of put it out there. Uh, mind you, I, I was on Facebook where I received probably about uh, 30 to 35 comments, and um, I think at last count, I'm up around 105 likes for that particular post. And, Which, that, and that, that is, how does that compare to your normal sort of trend when you post something, a you know, relevant news article, wh what are you usually seeing? Absolutely. It's, it's by far and large uh, leaps above what I'd normally see. Um, a good post for me on Facebook might elicit uh, 20 comments, 20 likes at most. Uh, generally speaking, I'm looking at probably eh, somewhere between five to 10 likes and maybe two or three comments on average. Okay. And so what I noticed from this and, and when I posted and I started seeing that uptick in, in likes just flooding in really all, all day Friday was uh, I, I was very curious to see, knowing how clout is attached to my Facebook profile, uh, very curious to see how that particular post would affect my clout score. And I was very interested in this because for the most part, that post has nothing to do with me as a social business program manager. It has nothing to do with my business. It has nothing to do with thought leadership. It really just had to do with me celebrating something that many of us celebrate already, uh, birthdays, anniversaries, that kind of thing. And so I was very interested to see about two days later that my clout score actually jumped up to about uh, – well, it, it jumped from a, a score of about 54 to 56 points. Uh, it was a, a rather dramatic shift in terms of my, my personal cloud score. Uh, might not be as dramatic for others, but uh, it, it was a definite spike in, in what I saw. So what, what it really showed to me was how a, a rather inane post 
that elicits uh, a large amount of activity can really dramatically affect your score, your influence score, which isn't necessarily, I, I think, what clout really needs to be measuring or, or should be measuring here. Well, that that's my that's the cognitive dissonance for me, right? Because if you are going to tell me that you're measuring influence, then you're telling me that you're measuring something that, you know, you're measuring a, a component of my business as my contribution to the net, right? That, that I am, you know, I'm, I'm posting on a topic, I'm investing my professional time and energy to, to post on a topic. For me, I post, uh, you know, photos and, and uh, you know, I, I want to be relevant and influential in photography or social business or, you know, whatever, podcasting. But to show that I am able to move that number by something that is not related to any of those things which I have indicated that I need to be influential about shows such a dramatic disconnect between what I think the service is about and what the service clearly is really about, which is raw traffic. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the fair assumption that we can, we can gain from here, from this? Uh, absolutely a perfect assumption that you can gain from this. It is that cognitive dissonance between what you expect influence to be and and what it seems that cloud is actually reporting on. Um, influence, of course, it, it, surrounding your, your thought leadership, your digital eminence. Uh, for you, Pete, uh, with photography, uh, you know, if you were to do the same and uh, post about an anniversary and s saw your score jump up, well, that has nothing to do with your influence about photography and I'd, I'd argue to say it really has nothing to do with your influence at all um, we all celebrate birthdays we all celebrate anniversaries mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems to me like clout would be weeding some of that kind of stuff out uh, in terms of their their reporting uh, it, it really does get into that like you said cognitive dissonance where uh, activity doesn't necessarily equal influence. Uh, influence is a much more kind of ethereal, uh, soft bit of our presence online. Activity, traffic, all of that, uh, it really just indicators of potential for influence, but not not anything close to influence at all. But But if I were clout here, I think this is what I would say. This is how I would respond. I would say, well, okay, the reason we don't, you know, build into the algorithm some sort of advanced, you, you know, weeding out of of uh, personal like personal events, I guess, um, because you know you're trying to be defined as a certain person or whatever, and, and we're measuring, you know, this this sort of online influence score. Well, if we go back to the beginning of the conversation where we're talking about trust and building trust and and um, being trustworthy online, and that that has is the most important basis or anchor point, those people wouldn't be following you, they wouldn't be commenting, they wouldn't be responding, and they wouldn't care if they didn't have trust. And uh, so those two at least are linked. And, and somehow you can kind of indirectly make the point that, that traffic and connectivity does matter, at least secondarily. It's a way to... to I mean, if you were... A jerk online and no one trusted you you'd lose no one would care about your anniversary oh absolutely it, it definitely plays into a potential influence score uh, right without the traffic without that connectivity uh, your influence obviously is is not going to exist uh, but to to be able to influence my own influence score uh, with a single post like that and, and see that dramatic jump um, because, that, if that, you, because if you're into manipulation, you would see that and say, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to post more cool get, things like that. I'm going to get married every day. <laughs> <laughs> I want three wives. <laughs> right. Which, you know, with, with some content, you could use it to to kind of help guide you as to what your audience is looking for, what they respond to. Uh -huh. But uh, right. to see that, that kind of single jump, um, I, I'd really expect Clout to, to have a little more uh, – smarts, a little more intelligence in, in their algorithm to look for more sustained peaks than, than some of those, you know, single post for, spikes. I, I have an example. I have one that I think is germane to this discussion. So I'm playing around with cloud as you people are talking. And uh, I just got a notification seconds ago from cloud 
and it says, Clout believes you are influential about shoes. Did they? Now, what? <laughs> why would that have happened? Okay. Well, I happen to have a theory. Uh, one of the podcasts that I produce is called Movies We Like. And uh, on that uh, that show each week, uh, my uh, dear co-host Andy Nelson and I uh, take an hour to talk about a film. And then we post the show to the website, which goes out on Twitter and uh, you know Facebook, and voila, it's out there. You did The and, Man With One Red Shoe? No, no, no. Two oh. weeks ago, we did The Red Shoes the ballet <laughs> film from from the forties, and that's it. One not, not Red Shoe show. Diaries. No, 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 not Red Shoe Diaries. Boy, that's a series that could go on. Very, very different on. movie. Very different. <laughs> Although likable for different reasons, <laughs> not the film that we talked about. And so here we go. I mean, there's an example that that was a that was a spike of a couple of posts and reposts to to promote the sh the show, the Red Shoes show, and uh, and and there we have it. Suddenly, I'm influential about shoes. But isn't Cloud on some level trying to create these Pavlovian responses where we're curious that, oh, I posted something and, oh, my gosh, I got some activity. What's my Cloud score? And then, I mean, don't they gain something from us wanting to follow these, you know, bumps and, and uh, you know, the, this little interactivity with Cloud? Well, they absolutely do. There, there is definitely a level of gamification going on with Cloud. Um, not only will you find it just in, in how people go back and look at their clout scores, but they've also introduced these um, quests, if you will, uh, within clout to to get badges and, and other things like that. And they really do want you to be coming back to the site and, and engaging with your clout profile, with your clout score. Uh, and, and, of course, in the hopes that uh, that engagement directly on their site will help them become... Uh, the premier leader for influence scoring that you know people will continue to go there and and put more trust in them well and so that gets to that gets to a, i think a broader question jason which is something that we've been we've been trying to hash out here uh, which is if if we you know let's what are the tools that that let's say first individuals and then people looking to build their brand uh should really be caring about and how do you discern uh, sort of what are the tools that are the most important to you? Well, uh, and, and go back, I was going to say, and Pete, I'm glad you're asking this question, because I, I think right before trust, if we're talking about putting a, you know, a pyramid together here, I think we start with purpose and intent. Absolutely. Yes. Purpose and intent, both of them. Yes. So how do you, how do you, how do you put that package together? You know, what do you, so, so, I mean, you, you have a, um, an interesting mix of, of interests and hobbies beyond, uh, your role in, in social at IBM. Uh, I also happen to know through being invested in our online relationship that you are also, also a whiskey aficionado and there's some fascinating, uh, stuff that you post on, on, you know, whiskey. You also, uh, you know, you post about all sorts of things that I think are fascinating. How, what, how do you build your, your suite of, of tools to manage your digital identity and what is important to you, uh, for, for managing your business? So what's important to me for managing my business, uh, really comes down to what interests me. Uh, I, I really kind of am a hedonist at heart. Uh, if it, if it, interests me, if it makes me happy, I'm going to follow down that path. Um, from the tooling aspect, I do use a, a number of <laughs> different tools to, to help me maintain my presences. Um, but for the most part, uh, it, it all comes down to whatever kind of tweaks that little thing in the back of your brain that says, ooh, that's fun. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I want to share that out. It, it gets but my how, juices flowing. How do you know you're being uh, successful at some level at getting your message out there? That's a great question, and that really is the question for all social business right now. It, it it's trying to determine that that level of success, that ROI, the return on investment. Of course, you know the time I'm putting into all of this. What am I getting out of it? Um, from a personal aspect, it, it's actually quite easy. I don't really care. Uh, I, I share out to share out stuff that interests me. Uh, I'm not too concerned with the personal success side of that. Uh, I figure the more I share, the more I put out, uh, it kind of will grow on itself, a little more kind of a grassroots campaign. 
if you want to call it that, even though it's a you know from a personal perspective. Uh, again, I'm not too concerned with success. I figure it, the field of dreams kind of uh, ideology here, right? You build it, they will come. If you find me interesting, you'll hang around. If you don't, well, okay, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. uh, from the business perspective, uh, and of course, getting back to, to things like clout or peer index, um, community, uh, things like that, those types of tools and sites, uh, they, they help give us an indicator of potential success. Uh, like I was saying earlier, they don't really give us an indicator of actual success. Uh, I actually work for uh, the, the support side of our social business. So from my perspective, it's even a little more difficult than, say, someone on the marketing or sales side because we're not driven by sales leads. We're not driven by increased revenue uh, from our social activities. From the support perspective, our success really comes from seeing our clients being able to successfully resolve their problems and successfully use our tools in their own business. Uh, so it, it really comes from much more of a problem-solving perspective. And for that, uh, we, we use a few different uh, survey tools and, and things like that. But generally speaking, our success metrics uh, come a lot from simple activity uh, because that is what we have that, that is what we can look at at this point to to help us determine that success. You know what's really interesting about that, and this gets back, I think, Dane, to to what you brought up, the, the sort of purpose and intent. One of the things we talked about last week, and and please, Jason, if I start, you know, lying, please let me know. But one of the <laughs> things that I, you know, my um, uh, my take on on uh, this stuff is that you know when you are using the tools uh, within the scope of which they were originally intended. Uh, you have the broadest success. And when you do your best to break the tools to fit your business model, uh, you don't. And, you know, I think when you talk about this idea of customer support and using these tools to, to collect and share solutions to problems, uh, you are, you're using them in a way that could be, uh, you know, more construed as, as pure of intent, right? It's a public airing of grievances and, uh, and finding a way to resolve them. And, uh, uh, you know, so I find that, uh, that kind of fascinating when you think about building your brand online, uh, from scratch, let's say you're not IBM, you know, let's say you're a, you're a small business and you're a, you know, we talked about my, my, uh, my friend, Dan Grantham, the woodworker, you know, he's looking to build his brand online, you know, his, his approach may in fact need to be one that is, you know, maybe not directly, I'm going to start taking customer support calls because he doesn't necessarily have that, right. uh, that sort of issue, but to focus on how can I help people, uh, you know, to understand or, or, or kind of better approach wood, for example, uh, you know, to fit right in line with his domain of experience and the pure intention of the, of the tool. Absolutely. It, it, a lot of it really does come down to understanding what you want to get out of these tools. Uh, and, and by that, I mean tools not only that help you uh, curate your content, but tools like Facebook, tools like Google Plus that have, help you share it out. It, it really does come down to understanding what you want out of it. And that definitely will help you guide, help guide you to not only how to use the tools, but which tools are best for your purpose. Well, and, and the thing is that I, I think is one of the things we talked about last, last week, Peak, was, um, and because you, you brought up the woodworker and, and uh, we were kind of talking about, you know, what, what, I don't know, using the tools for their intent um, and, and what would make the most sense in, in that context. And we talked about something I thought was just, you know, really for me, it was enlightening um, to think this through, but so, um, you, what you were explaining was what a great idea it would be for him to <clears throat> maybe get into the background of, of his, um, his works or his art or, or his personal story. Um, because it, you know, if we're thinking, well, Facebook is the place to sell art. Well, it's not, but if we think of, you know, Facebook or YouTube or, or something else as a way to help lead people to another place, um, you know, you on the one hand are trying to limit, you know, trying to use 
so many tools that you can't manage them anymore. But on the other hand, you're trying not to use one to do it all because like you said, you're sort of trying to break it to fit your needs and it's not going to work. So, you know, if, if we, if we do well, what the tool was meant to do and we think through how we can improve, um, you know, our ability to use it for, for the right reasons, I guess you had said at one point, Pete, that, you know, you've got these, these things you do online to build a following, to build a network, to build friends, to share ideas, um, to create interest, et cetera. But your sales tend to pretty much only happen, uh, in terms of, you know, online marketing through the emails you send out, they aren't happening through Google plus or Facebook, but you're getting interest and you're getting comments and you're getting feedback and you're building an audience. Um, but that, but that's not where the sale is happening. Right. And, and I think when it comes down to it, a lot of the the driving sales efforts are are good uh, in terms of the email marketing. Obviously, you're getting a short-term benefit from that. And I think that's where a lot of this discussion around social business kind of breaks down, where a, a lot of people expect those short-term benefits from their activity in the social spaces. And that's not really what the social spaces are intended for more so what you're getting out of your engagement on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google plus you're playing the long game. You're, you're getting that brand identity. You're getting that brand recognition and you're being seen as a thought leader in your spaces that down the line definitely runs into preferably increased sales, but not in the short term. Well, yeah, I mean that's what that was our our discussion last week was you know that was based on my own experience where you know when I the the reason I shoot sort of uh, you know art prints is is to sell them and uh, you know to date in the number of years that I've been posting you know images on Google Plus uh, you know not as long as as Facebook and Twitter I've never actually sold a print directly from those places where I sell prints is through my email list. And I find that fascinating that the, the thing that I, you know, uh, that I, you know, I think we generally uh, uh, have a tendency to think of email as sort of old school. Uh, and gosh, are, are we living in the future by, uh, you know, being on these social media tools? And in fact, there is a very practical nature to, to why you use these social media tools. And, and, and um, but applying sort of traditionalist thinking to social media tools, again, is using them out of their purest intent which is sharing and building thought leadership. For example, uh, I was in a client meeting uh, just yesterday, and, and I heard this, that, you know, we're an organization with many different departments, and each department has its own story to tell. Um, and the marketing perspective is, you know, we don't, we're putting a, a hold on all uh, Facebook pages, brand pages, uh, besides the the main company brand, we don't want anybody to have their own Facebook page uh, because it will diffuse the likes on the page. <laughs> you know, why do you why do you laugh at that? Because I in my head I I laughed at that, but I'm I'm curious if I'm alone. No, not at all. It's very much a command and control type uh, perception uh, and and effective. Uh, marketing strategy. Uh, although, well, I use the word effective uh, rather loosely. Uh, it, it really, it, it is a traditional marketing uh, type viewpoint that they control the brand perception. They control everything around it. They are the ones who are able to build or effectively uh, kill a particular product or company's brand identity. And well, it's not, and, the, it's and not even, the case. And even more crass than that, they've got obviously a number, a metric there that they feel they can uh, maybe grow if they control and do everything you're, you're talking about, Jason. And, yep. and they've obviously communicated to somebody the number of likes and somebody is probably saying, is it up or down? And so they're <laughs> thinking, well, okay, let's forget you know, let's not make this too complicated here. Let's just have that number and okay, make it, you know, let's just control everything towards that goal. Right. And, and I have run into that previously. It, it is unfor and an unfortunate um, side effect of the business that I'm in presently because it, 
it is the metric that we have to go by. Uh, and this is uh, getting back to clout once again, why I've been watching clout uh, very, very closely over the past few years, because if they can provide what they say they can, I would love to use it as uh, a metric, as an indicator of our success. But, uh, you know, at this point, all we really have are activity indicators, which don't necessarily show success uh, from the marketing standpoint you know people will look at that and go well you know we can see this single line up into the right or or down to the right and no one likes down into the right it, it they always want to <laughs> yeah. see always want to see that growth and you know sometimes well, it, well, it's and, out of your hands and and like cloud i wonder I, I think there are some practical milestones to hit with facebook likes right you you need to hit 25 so that you can start showing up in more search. You need to hit 50 so you have some, you know, they unlock some new features in your profile. Uh, right. But but beyond that, uh, beyond those sort of practical kind of logistical uh, uh, milestones, uh, I'm not entirely sure that like is even relevant. Well, well and here's here's what I think is, is interesting. Well, I, well I, I think for me, it's it goes back to this conversation Pete and I have had many times about you know, back at a, at a certain age of advertising for, for quite a while, I think, um, during that sort of the modern history of advertising, there weren't a lot of really specific measurements. Um, there was maybe a great branding concept, uh, a, a good campaign execution, and sales went up ultimately, eventually, and you thought that probably had to do with that campaign. It probably did, but we didn't know for sure. Much more correlation than causation going right. on there. Exactly. And then, you know, we get into the past, you know, good decade or more of of, uh, of advanced marketing analytics, and all of a sudden, so many things have become measurable. Uh, and certainly through the last, you know, economic downturn, so many things have needed to be cut and many things that were saved were the measurable things. And so it feels like we're, we're, we now have this opportunity, as you talk, Jason, about social engagement and your goals with social engagement, which are not sales and lead generation, but are um, you know, telling a story and building a, a awareness and, and, and communication, essentially. It's almost like we've got this opportunity to get back to a period where um, you know, a company is not just, you know, direct response uh, and and metric based in their marketing approach, but we have this opportunity to expand our storytelling and our and our customer engagement and our and our um, our customer communication. But we're doing it with tools in an environment that theoretically have all kinds of measurements. And now we're, we're up against, like you're talking right now, well, can I use cloud or can I not use cloud? And I would imagine you're hesitant to add any metric in there because maybe you're going to miss the point of, uh, at some point there of, you know, somebody says, okay, so you've given me a number I can trust. Now I want you to play to that number. And you may at some point say, boy, but if I do that, I'm not going to be doing the right thing with the, with the tools and with the job that I have. You, you hit the nail on the head, Dane. You're, you're absolutely correct with that. And if we look at it now, again, from the marketing perspective, um, in, in Pete's example, where we have a marketing department that is playing the command and control, the traditional uh, kind of marketing perspective, uh, what, what they're seeing there is driving things by possibly the wrong metric or just not doing the right thing, the thing that they need to be doing. And in the social spaces these days, it's that command and control mentality that's actually going to do you more harm than good. Uh, what we've seen in IBM, and, and one of the reasons why I have been beating the social computing guideline drum for so long, is because it really does give us as IBMers, uh, and again, <laughs> my opinion, um, it, it gives us the ability to be out in the social spaces and playing, building not only our personal uh, reputation, our personal thought leadership and digital eminence, but that all combines to build up the company's uh, thought leadership and digital eminence as a whole. It doesn't water down the effectiveness of the company. It's actually bolstering the effectiveness of the company. Well, and that I, I think gets back to the the uh, the bottom line of this example that I was uh, referring to. What makes most sense to me, and when you do a search on Facebook, for example, for IBM, uh, you get the IBM main worldwide page. You also get 
you know, Facebook brand pages for many, many different divisions of IBM. Some of them are very well liked. Some of them are more modestly liked, but they all tell a different story about that area of IBM. And the people who like that page like that page because of their perceived connection to that particular piece of the IBM worldview. Maybe Absolutely. it's maybe it's Watson, you know, maybe it's cloud computing, maybe it's red books, you know, whatever it is, they're there for a reason. And this is this is, you know, certainly my perspective, uh, that uh, you know, when you are when you are using Facebook and this brand page initiative to its purest intent, you are focusing on the story that 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 brand page needs to tell. And it may, it, there may be a rich enough story in the division or the department that you don't need to wrap it all up into, uh, you know, into this main page. And that's why I was getting, you, you were about to, I think, correct me, Jason. I, and and I, I hope you were when I said, I don't know that likes are particularly relevant, um, you know, measure on their own. And, right. and my, my, my sort of, my, my commentary is, the better measurement may be engagement on a given day or on a given post. Like, I'm more interested in the number of people who share a photo or a post than the number of global likes a page has, for example. So from the, the top-down perspective, likes are important, but you're, you're absolutely right. They're not the, the measurement you want to live and die by. Likes are important because the more likes you have indicates the more potential you have to show up on on people's visibility, right? To mm -hmm. show up on their stream. If you if you only have 10 likes, you're only showing up on, on 10 people's pages. It's a big difference than showing up on a thousand people's right. uh, news streams. So likes are important, but likes alone don't tell the whole story of, of measurement. Engagement, you're absolutely right. Uh, much better story to be told there. Uh, in terms of how many people are liking the individual posts, how many people are sharing those individual posts. But even then, just because I've not clicked like on that post doesn't mean I haven't read it, haven't followed that link off of somewhere and and gotten what I need from that particular post. It just means I didn't feel the urge to click like mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, so it... Well, the, the it, metrics there are, are they're, they're really difficult at this point in, in the game. Well, and I think to Dane's point, and this is the part of, uh, this is the, the broadest of the challenges that, that I think we're all trying to wrap our heads around, is when you are faced with somebody who looks for the up and to the right, uh, in, in so many ways, what you can't, there, there is no sort of end all be all number that you can, that you can, you can track over time that gives you any sort of, of relevant perspective because the nature of the data changes so often. And, and more than anything else, you know, what you can give is, you know what, we're going to need to sit down and you're going to need to get invested in how these tools work, not just how this number, how this number works. Well, and not just that. And this is what I think is really interesting uh, as we watch how companies um, uh, adopt social media or how they change their use of it. But trying to convince, let's say, a small business that they, in fact, do have a story to tell that's different than buy my product. Uh, you know, when I talk to businesses over the last couple of years and, and, and we're talking about, and they say, you know, well, we need whatever, we need a Facebook page, or I, I don't know what this is, but we need some social media, I guess. And I don't know why. And what, what would we do with it? You know, um, you know, you have conversations inevitably about, well, when you have specials or a new product or, you know, you know, you want to promote that or, or, or push that, but more and more, um, you know, I, I watch companies, you know, who are excelling in this area aren't doing that as much as they're just discovering that they, in fact, do have a story that's interesting that involves either um, the industry that they're in and how they fit within it or their expertise uh, or certainly as an artist uh, or a photographer or whatever, just you know, who, who they are, what they're doing, what goes behind it, you know, where, where the locations are, just other things that I guess, um, are, are become a much richer and more dynamic expectation on the customer's part of the businesses they choose to spend money with. Absolutely. With. 
and really what you're you're speaking to there, Dane, is the difference between companies that put the tools before their goals or their goals before the tools. Uh, when we come into to engaging in social business, the the common belief, the the best practice, if you will, is really to sit down and understand your business goals before you move in to engaging in the social spaces. If you're using the tools just because someone told you, hey, you need a Facebook page, you're, you're going to encounter those types of companies that all they do is share out specials or coupons, buy my product type uh, stories. When you engage as a business who understands the business goals first, that's when you get the companies that really are telling those more dynamic, more holistic stories and are reaping the benefits of, of that, that brand recognition and, and being seen as thought leaders in the space. Well, and I think for a, 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 a good long time, companies figured that, you know, their, their face to the public was either their brand name or their brand name and, and products uh, and maybe maybe a superstar CEO or a couple of, you know, amazing um, pedigreed uh, executives or with a small company, uh, maybe they don't want to look so small. So they don't want you to know how small they are. So, so anyway, there's this sort of, you know, the great Oz uh, behind <laughs> the curtain, you know, yep. um, approach to, to your public face. Well, my expectation more and more is I want to know like who's working there. I want to know all the way down to, your copywriters or your, you know, I don't know, your, your, um, I, I want to know how big your company is. I want to know what the story is. Why do people like working there? Are you five people? Are you, what kind of office environment do you have? Is it exciting? You know, uh, all those things to me are, are all of a sudden really fascinating. And I think, again, when we talk about the story to tell, that's part of the story. People, people in the company is a big part of the story that a company has to tell. Absolutely. If you understand your business, you understand where you are in your market, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. Uh, to Pete's example, uh, his woodworking friend, company of one, I presume. Uh, you Absolutely. know, there there's a great story behind him as a company. I I can guarantee it, and I would love to hear about his story from his perspective, knowing his market in his company and why he's doing what he's doing. And, and I would not say that my perception would be diminished because all of a sudden I see that, oh, he's only a company of one. Uh, I, I would actually likely be more impressed by that. Well, and I think that's the it gets back to that discussion of sort of the purity of, of the signal and and, um, and and understanding your own intention of the story you're trying to tell. Uh, and, and if you're, if even from, you know, I think with a lesson that we learned from IBM is uh, you know, IBM and, and Dan Grantham woodworker uh, alike. Uh, really having that understanding of the story lets you tell the story in a way that engages with your audience in a, in a brand new way. And it gives them a visibility and an understanding of you that you've never before been able to share. And, and that I think is the transition we're making from a marketing perspective, which is we are now as marketers understanding what our audience wants to learn about us. And we are surprised, I think, when we discover that they actually want to learn that we also are whiskey aficionados uh, in addition to our lives in social media. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there is that connection. And, and I, I made a comment at a WordCamp, uh, you know, a year ago, which was, I am more interested in spending my money on products and software and tools uh, made by people who allow me to invest in a, in a deeper relationship with them. And I think that is something I may be, you know, uh, on the, the sort of, uh, social edge of that movement, but I think that movement is coming more and more. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Pete. And, well, and I, I well, isn't, this is, isn't that an awesome <laughs> well, reason we like had the you end on of the show, show right there? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a fabulous <laughs> summation of, uh, of everything we just talked about. Well, next time we're going to start at the end of the show because clearly we can button this up uh, shorter. Uh, Jason, where can people find you and your various digital personae uh, online? Where would you like people to, sh to find you? I, uh, I have an About Me page set up. It's www.accidentalpoet.com uh, phonetically. <laughs> spells, uh, the spelling is a phonetic kind of license plate uh, method for the domain. So it's actually... A-C-D-N-T-L-P-O-E-T dot com. Uh, 
And that is a, a uh, basically just a landing page, jumping off point for uh, finding whatever uh, part of my presence online interests you, whether it's my business relationships, my my personal Facebook or, or Google Plus pages, uh, or my my whiskeys tasting group. Uh, you can get all of it from from that place. Look at you there, handsome lad there, Jason O'Donnell. <laughs> Although I think it's deceiving because I think uh, I think we all know that that you know the odds of you actually wearing pants right now are probably pretty low. I am in shorts pants, so uh, <laughs> you're half right. You're looking, you're you're looking all fancy in a suit, but let's tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not a suit, shorts and t-shirt when you're working from home like I do. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's that's. Uh, we we actually, I thought maybe I would raise the odds, but Dane and I also work from home, and so. I know. So, which one of us has showered so far today? Okay, I've showered. I've got the shower going. That I makes one that. of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one out of three. Okay. Hey, in, in my defense, I had a 5 a.m. conference call, so uh, I've been I've been up and working uh, ever since. That's defense. I'll give you that. Uh, Dane, uh, do you want to do you want to try? I'm striked. <laughs> do I want to try? <laughs> your your um, confidence in me is overwhelming. It's strike, <laughs> it's strike10.co. Thank you. Strike10.co. Excellent. Well done. Uh, and you can find the show at rashpixel.tv, along with all the other rashpixel.tv uh, uh, shows. And uh, you know we're we're we've uh, we're almost completing the move to SoundCloud. So I'm you know I'm hoping to see more and more of these shows uh, playable in Facebook, and and uh, it's it's a much more shareable platform. I'm very excited to be on SoundCloud. So if you're a SoundCloud member, uh, it's still a little bit messy. I'm migrating literally hundreds of of hours of shows over to SoundCloud right now, but uh, so so stay with me as we get caught up. You'll see a lot of really old issues showing up, or old episodes showing up in the uh, in the feed. But that will normalize over the next couple of weeks, and then we'll be back to to only current episodes right on top. So uh, that is uh, that's what I know. Thanks so much, everybody, for for joining us. And uh, you know, we'll be back next week. Bye bye now. Cheers, all. 